What's up, everybody? Eric Stanglin here. Another episode of Die on That Hill. And uh, we got a little curveball for you today. Instead of me hosting the show, I got my good friend Moots, who's going to host the show. And I actually get to die on a hill today since I've been wanting to do this for a while, but, you know, I haven't had the opportunity. I got my good buddy here that's going to take the reins, and uh, he's going to get to host the show. So, uh, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm I'm doing very well. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. Just uh, doing the podcast thing and uh, looking forward to uh, dying on this hill and seeing what happens and seeing what you got to say about it. And I got a little curveball in here, too, that might be of interest to some people, too. So we'll see what happens. That's very exciting. Uh, well, why don't you go ahead and fire it at us? And let's see what happens. The hill I'm dying on is everybody owes Metallica an apology for the Napster thing. Okay. Yeah, I now, agree. That, that was a great show. Hey, awesome. Um, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for hosting. Thanks for having me. Um, cool. I guess uh, you'll, I'll see you later. And yeah. Easiest, no, go ahead. Easiest two minutes of your life. Um, no problem. So I, I want to, there, there's a couple of peel back onions on this one. Number one. Sure. I don't think Metallica handled this well at all. Okay. I think, I think they, I think they were completely out of touch in terms of how to handle this. Um, I think where we were as a society at that point, I think we were all getting sick of getting price gouged, paying 18, 20 bucks a CD. Um, The technology was there. Uh, It wasn't tangible. So it didn't feel like you were stealing. You're you're taking music from people that you might have already owned the music from, or you know they make millions and millions of dollars. So why should they care? You know, there's a lot of points to this, right? Um, uh, yeah, I, I I agree with all that. I really think that the biggest one was that they didn't approach it the right way. I completely agree, and I think it became like these. Because Metallica arguably has been the biggest band in the world for fucking what decades now, right? Yeah, at least four, almost, right? Which is uh, crazy. To think. I mean, I mean, at, at least three, yeah. let's say. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so it's like they they didn't come off, especially at that time, because we're that's you know in that weird period of Metallica, mm-hmm. uh, low but, reload, right? No, it was, and, late, it was and, later than that. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. This, see, this, I you, this is like see how much how much you remember. This is like midlife crisis Metallica. This is, oh, so Saint Anger. Yeah, right before Saint Anger, right in that yeah, okay. right in that right in that area. No, what I was what I wasn't going to say shows what I know. It's gonna I was going to say shows how much I pay attention to fucking Metallica, but um, I think that it came down as like these rock gods sitting in their ivory tower, complaining about the business and they if they were smart they would have hearkened back to their pimply faced alcoholic raging days as a real metal band who were in the streets and in the gutters and been like look we would have never been here if this was happening and they if they, and they put, turned it back around to be like we're trying to protect the underground and people who aren't as fortunate as we have become and instead they just went meh and that was it. And they got crucified, man. Absolutely. They handled it wrong. They really did. And I don't know. 
I don't know who was advising them or if anybody was advising them or, I mean, the quality control of that situation, boy, that was like a dumpster <laughs> fire. And I just remember the one video, I don't know if you ever saw this one, you probably did, of like James looking like this like 800-pound behemoth and like Lars being this small little dude. Oh, the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. T-shirts. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'll it's never forget. the best. Best. I'll never forget that. And and here's here's why I'm dying on this hill. And this might even go back to gatekeeping, right? And we had this conversation. The problem yeah. I have with it is people don't want to admit when they're wrong. And people True. don't want to apologize. And not all people, right? But like a decent amount of people. Mm-hmm. I know everybody and their mother shit on Metallica for that. And and yeah. many of them like literally it was like super low hanging fruit to go after them for that right super low hanging yeah. fruit and and there were some people that were on board with metallica that never got the flack that they did you know what i mean not many well, there, were, there was a couple. they were leading the charge though they were yeah and uh and yeah if, if people get behind you you're still going to catch all the heat yeah and and especially if those people see you catching heat, why in the fuck would they step up? Yeah, they'd be like, "No, I mean you're right, but like, eh, see you later, guys." Yeah, I want to I want to save my career, right? Totally. Um, but the problem I have is is you don't hear many people defending what they did or hindsight twenty twenty going. You know what, man? They weren't wrong, and I mm-hmm. shit all over them. Um, and and that's the hill I'm dying on today. Is is they really deserve an apology. I don't like the way they handled it, but they were right. It was like Prince in 99 with with the internet, that big mm-hmm. speech he had. He wasn't wrong. And there are other people that spoke about that. But the onion peel back I want to talk about is that whole entire movement back then had a big chain reaction on things that I don't think people think about. Okay. Mm. Here's one. Now that music is basically all streaming for the most part nowadays. And, you know, there's people still buy vinyl, but it's not to the level of how people consume music. I mean, there was millions of records bought back in the day, or let's just say CDs or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. To the point now. Albums. Yeah. You you could sell 20,000 copies and chart now really high. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Right. And it wasn't, didn't used to be that way. Some of the things that I think really hurt this this era, because it was a small little era, I think. I mean, would you say probably, I think it started around 98, 99, probably somewhere in there. And then, you know, it really, it really got big until iTunes, where iTunes tried to correct the ship by saying 99 cents a song, you know, or you can buy the right. whole album for nine bucks or whatever. Kind of like saying, hey, people got to make money. Ours have to be mm-hmm. money. We got to figure out some way to correct this. Here's the one thing I hate about the whole digital streaming stealing epidemic. How many people know who produces records anymore? Yeah, right. Uh, only many, those who care. How many people know who played, guested on an album? Virtually no one. I mean, yeah. depending on. I I think it depends on what what we're talking about. Uh genre wise i think that metal in general people are still pretty keyed into those things um fans at least you know like real like true blue dyed in the black denim metal heads will be like no i know 
I know because you care, you know, and since you can't pull the vinyl out as well, you can, but not as many people do and like sit and read the liner notes while you're listening to it for the third time. I think that those people do dig into that a little more. I can't speak to other genres, um, but I assume I'm right in assuming that like pop music and stuff, nobody has a clue. Um, And, and why would they, you know, that's not what that's for. Uh, But maybe, maybe, but I would say I'm rambling, but I think that probably your core real strong fans will always pay attention to those things. But then there's the sort of rest of them that are just like, I just want to hear the song. I don't care anything. Oh, it's on Spotify, bitch, and I'll listen to it. Right. But think about all the people that if they had the CD in their hands, they might flip through it and go, oh, it's produced by this, you know, Terry Date guy or it's produced by, you know, where that doesn't kind of happen anymore. Or, you know, you start realizing like, I like this record is produced by the same guy that produced that record or like, you know, the great Bob Rock, you know, Sonic mm. Sonic drum tones from Dr. Feelgood to Motley Crue 94 to the Black Black. Album. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, you know it's Bob Rock. And I think a lot of that too is because that was either on your cassette, right? Or it was yeah. on it was on your CD and in, in the on the back of the CD or in the liner notes. And I think that's one of the other things that suffered too. I think there yeah. it's, it's a trickle-down effect. It really affects the artists because now how do you make money like selling your music? You know what I mean? Like, and, and we know if you play in a band, you're basically a t-shirt salesman nowadays, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, you're a merch booth. Really? Like, like, um, and you got to play gigs yeah. to do that. And when COVID came around, that took away that. Yep. You know, it's, it's, you know, they were really ahead of their time in terms of realizing this is not going to be good. It's just, the delivery was bad, but I would love to see people kind of go almost kind of like stand up for them now and be like, you know, man, this was kind of a stupid thing for us to, you know, whether you like the band or not, because I know no, it has well, nothing to do with it. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with how big that band got, <clears throat> how, how many people were pissed off, like I said earlier, with how expensive mm-hmm. it was to buy music. And yeah. then you basically you basically gave the power to the people, which was a very bad thing in a way because you took away the opportunity for a lot of bands to make a living doing this or made it a lot harder to do that, if that makes sense. Oh, I think so. I think, um, I mean, let's be fair. The music industry has never been geared towards the artists making money. No, you're ever. Totally ever. Totally correct. Like, even in the day of the CDs and, and all that, like I know exactly what a record label contract looks like. And I know exactly what your percentage is after costs are recouped. Um, after recouped too. Recouped is the big, big word. Yes. Um, and it's not good because the standard independent contract, you know, independent record label contract that we signed back in the December days stated that after the label had recouped, we got 13 cents per CD total, not each. Wow. 13 cents. And that was, that's the standard, you know? Um, So again, you're still basically, you got to get out there and grind and sell shirts. 
But because the record labels could make money, they were more willing to throw marketing at you. And, and we made, you know, you make the video and you pay to get it on this and you, you're, there's marketing involved and obviously you have to pay them back for that too. So they're still making money before you ever will. Um, but there, there's an incentive for a record label to actually work for you because the more money they put in, in theory, the more money they'll get out. And you're probably never getting paid anyway. So fucking whatever, right? Make another record. Um, but now, and I'm sure Metallica didn't see this coming. Because in essence, my, my thought on it was like, yes, I understand what you're saying. But also, you're saving the bad guys in this scenario. Like, the record labels were the ones who were getting killed by... Uh, LimeWire, um, what have you, right? Not to mention all the viruses that your computer got. Yep. But, yep. but, uh, but the record labels were the ones that were just being punished. I mean, the the bands, yeah, they probably bigger bands like that probably felt the sting. But like the smaller bands that were on the label, all it did was remove their chance to even have a label. Because like if 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 the money's not coming in, why are we going to spend any money trying to get new people out there? And that's when you get 360 deals, mm -hmm. which is a whole thing now, right? Um, for those of you who don't know what a 360 deal is, it's when you sign a record contract and the label gets a cut of absolutely everything you do. That means your music, uh, the products, including merch, including ticket sales everything 360 degrees they have you they get a cut of every move you make um and that is is i, I don't know why anybody would even sign one of those it's was terrible. molly crew the first band to do that the 360 yeah i don't know i didn't i wasn't aware that they did that i'm almost positive they did they were the first band to do that when they Damn. signed their big contract like it was like 20 or 40 million dollars with like oh you remember yeah that? maybe maybe that but like that's not what i'm talking about <laughs> no no i'm but talking they, about yeah i think they took a cut of everything though that was part of the deal so they got all the money up front but sure. then the label took a cut of everything i think that might have been that first 360 deal but then they shortly after that sold all their publishing right so for like 40 million dollars or each or something like yeah. that like after after Springsteen and all those other bands did it, they're just like, well, you can buy all our our music, sure. It's crazy, man. Do you know? Here's a, here's a fun little tidbit that I don't know if you know or not. Do you know when? Uh, and no pun intended. Do you know when Metallica was first in the black? Um, I, I would assume no pun intended in the black album. Nope. Really, the Master of Puppets tour. Is when they were finally, uh, oh really finally in the black so they had three records and three tours off of those three yeah. records before they were in the black and remember this probably post ozzy tour right probably um yeah. it was when cliff was still alive yeah and it was uh the other thing you gotta remember that no one remembers is the first video metallica ever did was one yeah, well, I remember that really they didn't well. Do it, they didn't do a single video throughout that whole time, and they were still in the red. Yeah. They refused to do that videos until they could do one the way they wanted it, from what I remember. That's what I remember, too. Um, like, they were like, no, we're, 
because they were still an underground band then. They were, you know, um, they played until second. They, weren't. they played second on Monsters of Rock tour. I saw it. Yeah, Dawkins followed yeah. them. Yeah, that, poor that fucking. Of, that was the end of Dawkins right there. Holy shit! What a fucking terrible thing. I couldn't. Anybody who followed them, it, it was it was rough. Yeah, unless you're Slayer. I, I don't think, you know Unless what I mean? Unless you're Slayer. Really? Yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, who really follows them in 87, 88? You know what I mean? Can't be done. Yeah, I, I saw that tour at Candlestick Park. Oh, wow. So, like, hometown crowd for Metallica. and <sighs> Holy shit. It was, I mean, Kingdom Come was first. Right. And they were, they were Kingdom Come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's like not good, um, but Metallica, it was just like jaw dropping, and then poor Dawkin, and I mean Dawkin was fine, but like, what are you gonna do? You you can't uh, really you can't really do anything. I mean, did you see a mass exodus after Metallica for that show? Uh, I mean, it's hard to say. Uh, it was you know you're talking a baseball stadium that was looked full. Yeah. And for the most part, I think it's, I, I would imagine they lost a few thousand people, but we're talking tens of thousands. So, um, and I think there was enough people wanting to hang around and see Scorpions and, and Van Halen. And Van Halen. You know? Yeah, for yeah. sure. If, if, so you're Metallica, you, you, you said what you, you would have done differently. Um, would you have, you would you have actually stated something in the press about it, or would you have just uh, um, kept it to yourself? You know, I, I so the, there, it cuts both ways. You know, um, I think if you're Metallica and you're talking about this on your bus or whatever, um, in some ways it behooves you to keep your fucking mouth shut because you're in the machine now. You know. Um, but you're also big enough to where you can kind of do whatever you want and nobody's going to say anything. How, but on the other hand, if you say something and you don't do it right, you're going to catch that backlash anyway, which they were already getting hit with for three records or well, two records. And then shortly after this, another one. Um, but again, I, I think that, okay, who can tell Lars Ulrich to shut up? I mean, everybody, but no one could really be successful. But, but is it, when's he going to do it? You know, yeah. like, and I think that even if it's, if it's James or Kirk, uh, you know, saying, Hey dude, I think you should tone it down. He's going to be like, yeah, well, I don't know. I'm just going to say stuff, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then even if you're fucking Q prime, you know, their management, Lars is probably still going to Lars. Yeah. Right. Um, and to be fair, Lars is Metallica. Like, yeah. I don't think make any mistake about that. Like, I know I've, uh, you know, it's often kind of joked about and whatever, but like Lars being the the guy who didn't die in the bus crash, I, it's not like Metallica would have been, he's the one driving this bus now. Yes. And he's been band dad in Metallica probably longer than anybody else knew, I would guess. I think he's always been band dad. I don't disagree with you, man. I think uh, 
Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, he, you know, James was always the quiet one where the problems mm-hmm. came out with the alcohol. But Lars was always the salesman. Yep. You know, he was the schmoozer. He was the one making the deals. He was the one. I think he was the one that put Metallica in the positions, good and bad, that they were in for the most yeah. part. And, uh, you know, the other thing I, I have a problem with, and I, this is why I think a lot of people won't die on this hill with me, is the problem of them actually going after people. Well, see, and there again, bad form, Yeah, you know? Um, I, I remember even seeing it at the beginning when, when all this was happening and thinking like, I mean, yeah, probably, but like, whatever, dude, I'm not downloading your records. Right. You know? Um, and it, it again, it just seems like that really disassociated disconnected like from uh, on our above talking down to the people below saying stop stealing but like they were tape trading in the you know in the, in the early 80s i guarantee it oh yeah and and i remember i'm old enough to remember the like seeing stickers that like tape trading is killing the music business and it's like it didn't no you know it never did this could have been that. I, I, I think that what happened was Metallica saw the problem, called it out, caught all the flack for it, and then the music industry as a whole essentially didn't do anything. Like Metallica rang the fire alarm and everybody was like, fuck you, dude. Why are you ringing that? Yeah. And then, then the whole fucking house burned down. And now labels are having to figure out how to exist in a world where now what 20 years later or whatever (laughs) people are buying records again but like as merch for the most part yeah and the other thing too that's interesting about it is you you lose the quality of a big studio for sure is why spend all that money anymore you know what i mean where so a lot of stuff's being done in home studios and you know the technology is there but i also think at the same time there's something to be said about a good room for a drum tone. You know, uh, absolutely. You know, there's yeah. something to be said about a really good producer for an extra set of ears or mm-hmm. ideas, you know, and I think that's another thing that you lost in music when all this happened. So you lose mm-hmm. the liner notes, who's playing on what, what's going on here. You lose the, the sonic quality of a lot of things because people can't afford to record i mean just think about if you're just in a regular like local band in your town yeah right and you want to record somewhere good in your town because every student mm-hmm. every every town has a good studio they really do I sure believe, right you're not going to pay i mean i don't know me and you were paying 65 75 bucks an hour in certain studios you know what i mean for sure yeah. you're not you're not going to do that and and, and you're not going to do that because you know you want to put out a good quality record but you know you're going to be so far behind the eight ball before mm-hmm. you even put that record out that you're never going to recoup any of that. And then the whole deal is, is like, how do you afford to do that in the first place? Because because everything is, every, the whole landscape has changed. And, that, yep. you know, that's the main point of this discussion for me was, you know, how, you know, if Metallica does it, if Metallica does it right, like me and you have talked about, right? 
you know, maybe that changes the trajectory of how things happen. You know, I think going after the individuals was not the smart way to go. I, I, I think, agree. I think the other thing that was really not smart either, and, and I, I, mean, I might get a load of shit for this, is giving the people the opportunity to burn CDs was <laughs> not good either. It, it, it's because yeah. think about when you tape traded, right? You tape mm-hmm. traded, you taped it off of another buddy's tape or, or, you, or you taped it off with the CD. It never mm-hmm. sounded good. And if you really wanted it to sound good, you were like, well, I, do, I dig this record enough. I'm going to go buy the CD, right? It, yeah. Pretty much, exactly. Right? Okay. You give people the opportunity. The other thing you got to remember that people forget about, right? We're talking, most people had what, two gigs of memory or two, two gigs? Yeah. I mean, two gigs of hard drive space on their computers back then. Probably, yeah. Holding a ton of songs. No. But if you can go, all right, here's 15 on a disc, burn. Here's 15 on a disc, burn. Here's yep. 15 on a disc, burn. Yep. And that's what a lot of people were doing. You're, sure. you're essentially killing. I mean, you're killing a local band in general. Like, how yeah. are you going to make, look, when you have a label, and you know this, you know, because you've been mm-hmm. on labels, the label, depending on the label you are, and depending on what's going on, the label will get you on a tour. You know, yeah. you get a per diem, right? The yep. label will do promotion, right? Mm-hmm. There's you, the label will get you on radio stations to plug your record, right? There's a lot of things. Possibly. A, label, a yeah. label. Yeah. Depending on the style of music you are, right? Yeah. The problem with that is, is you, you take them, you take the labels out of the equation. There's a lot of ground for you to make up that you do not have the money or the, or the means necessary or connections to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, although in today's uh, landscape, there are tons of bands who now can be an, an independent agent and it's they make it their job and they're on every platform they can be hustling constantly and playing the game correctly. And you don't need a record label. What you do need is startup cash and an infinite amount of energy yeah and time so if you are willing to be like you know what like speaking for myself my band is is a very real concern for me like i'm super important to me but i think for all of us it's essentially like i like to prefer to it as like a professional hobby where it is a hobby for all of us and it's something that we can't not like I can't not be in a band and I love this fucking band, but I also got bills to pay and shit. Right. Sure. So we do spend money on things cause we want them to be nice. And if we're going to do it, we're going to do it to a certain level, but we're old men. So to your point, if you're a 16, 17, 21 year old kid, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like your job probably isn't paying shit you're just trying to play guitar or sing or whatever it is you're trying to do. You might have time to hustle on the internet, but your recordings, unless you got real good at pro tools or Cubase or whatever, are just going to sound like, you know, you recorded it at home, Mm -hmm. which is okay for a demo, but you can book your own tours and you can, you know, book your own life. If you choose to, just depends on where your, your heart and your energy's at. I think, um, but the record label thing, I mean, yeah, it'll make a lot of that easier, maybe. But you still have to do the work. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like it's, I, I, I assure anyone listening, if you think you get a record deal and now you've got it made, no, now the real work starts. Now you really have to hustle and you really have to grind because now you're accountable to somebody. Up until that point, you're not. Right. And again, at, at that point in, in Metallica's career, they weren't accountable to fucking anyone. Right. Um, now, going after and targeting individual audiences, that's just kind of an asshole move. Um, I, think, I think it's funny. And I, again, I'm fucking rambling, but... No, you're not. I, you're, you're talking about so much important stuff that I don't think a lot of people understand. I think that... I don't know if Metallica deserves an apology, but I think people should acknowledge what has happened post Lars uh, attacking Napster and being like, oh, you don't have to say sorry, Lars, because he's fine. <laughs> but you should but you should acknowledge that like I'll I will admit that they were right. Yeah. Like no problem. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But they, if he if if I have to if I have to apologize to Lars for Napster, he has to apologize for that drum sound on Saint Anger. Oh, how about God. that? Oh my God! Yeah, you, have, yeah. I didn't I didn't send you the meme. I don't think I did. I, did you see the meme with Bart Simpson running with pots and pans on his head? <laughs> no, but it uh, said, it yeah. said uh, Saint Anger recording session. It makes sense. It's pretty you close. Know. Oh my God! Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting because the landscape changed so much. I wonder, I really do think that the more we're having this conversation, I really do believe the lawyers and the people got, that were involved pressured them to go after people, individuals. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, think I, I think that happened. And I think, you know, I think it, it, that really, those couple of years were a big turning point into where we are now. In my, in oh my yeah, no, that was that moment that basically decided our fate as uh, music consumers. And what's funny is like, as bad as it was then, technically, and with all the stuff I just said about how you can be your own man and do all that stuff, that's true. But you know what the royalty rates are on fucking Spotify and Apple Music and oh, all yeah. that shit. Oh. I mean, we're talking fractions of pennies. Mm-hmm like fraction fractions like like hundreds of and it's like well now what are you going to do sure anybody in the world can listen to it at the drop of a hat for free basically because they're paying yeah. but then all the services aren't paying the artist at all you yeah. know like they're paying them far less than record labels ever would have dreamed although they probably would have if they could have got away with it but somehow streaming gets away with it and we're just not everybody's happy now. Do you like, ever, fuck you? Do you ever wonder? Because I've thought about this. Do you ever wonder the tier of deals in streaming? Because it's mm. like because like a person like Taylor Swift like took her shit off and now she's back on. Do you think with okay. all the money that they make that some of those streaming deals? for the bigger artists are bigger, just like in the scope of things of, of how it was with the record industry. Cause you can say 13 cents, right? I, I'm going to blow your mind right now. I, I, mm. I'm pretty sure you don't know this answer. Who had the best record deal 
in terms of profit per CD? Oh, I don't know. Steve Vai. Really? Steve Vai made $7 a CD. How the fuck did he get that? Because he didn't fucking sell his publishing. Well, see, this is where I was going to go with you. When, as soon as you said Taylor Swift, I was like, aha! Because she re-recorded all her own old stuff and she owns her masters now. Which is really smart. Really smart. Um, I hear Jamie Josta talking about it all the time on his podcast where, you know, he owns not, not necessarily the hate breed stuff, but his solo band Josta, he owns a hundred percent of everything. So his checks are good because again, boys and girls, um, when you're a band and you want to publish your music, you have to register it through a publisher, uh, uh, you know, BMI or whoever, and then they give you a cut whenever your music is used. Now that sounds nice, but if you don't own the publishing, which you can, or your record label own a publishing company and then you're under them, which is what, you know, December did and all that. So that's why you're cut so low. But if you are the publisher, you get all the, you get all the royalties. They all go directly to you. And, and I think even Prince was, Yes. That, so, yeah. Yeah, Prince was like, Prince was basically do-it-yourself, like, yeah. towards, I think, the early 2000s. Like, everything was, like, in-house for everything. I mean, very smart yep. individual. Um, another one that was really smart that blew my mind, and it just shows you the luck of the draw, Kate Bush. Mm. Oh, yeah, well, we were talking about that. Yeah. Yep. 100%. God, talk no about f- fucking serendipitous timing. Dude, I mean, you, you want to talk about I can retire wherever the fuck I want to now? Thanks. Yeah, and I'm sure she was doing okay. Sure. You know? Um, sure. But, like, boy, fucking Stranger Things comes out and you're making, like, a million a week. Insane, dude. In- it's, like, good for her. Dude, and amazing. Had, and that show milked that song in season four. It wasn't oh, yeah. like it was on one episode. I mean, that I, I think that song was on the whole entire season, right? It was. Well, as soon as they, um, yeah, maybe episode three or four, and then it was in the rest of it. It was there. It wasn't going away, man. And it's, it's it was a character almost in the film because it was. You know, we all yeah. we've seen the fucking show. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. we're not rooting. But like, anybody. yeah. But I mean, like, every time you're gonna see Max, she's probably listening to that song. Mm-hmm. Because of the thing. So great. So not only is she getting all the royalties and probably the, they probably had to purchase the you know rights to the song to use it, but then her song charts. Yep. And I don't even know how charts work anymore other than streaming charts, but like all of a sudden she has a bona fide hit again yes. and a bigger one now than back in 80, what, five? Six. And let's go. Uh, let's go full circle with what we're talking about today. Mm. Master of Puppets. Jesus, yeah. No, that that's amazing. That like, but we we talked about that a little last time too. Where then I don't see Kate Bush fans getting mad because there's new people listening to Kate Bush. Right, right. And all these gatekeeping motherfuckers are like, "That's my Metallica," and it's like, it's "Pull so that true. shit's." We've all, classic classic rock, so. we've all been there. We've all been there. Oh, yeah, we've so all been funny. there. But like, really, really, yeah. Master of Puppets. Did great, you, great song. Let me ask you another question. Mm. Did you think that was going to ruin their career, the Napster thing? 
Because because no. it's still like I'm I'm that is the one band that let's throw Van Halen in there too. Sure. Those are the two bands that can hit landmines left and right and still have a pretty successful career. It's like it's like it's what do you have to do if and and, and I will give Metallica credit for this and I don't know um because they've, they've, I've always, they've always seemed to be fan friendly. I mean, other than trying to sue their fans. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much everything got ramped up after Napster. I wonder if somebody in marketing or the label said, "Look, here's the deal, guys. We got to win back the fans over. Like, we're going to do a bunch of these deluxe things. We're going to do all these things for like the Metallica mm. fan club. Where we're releasing all these live things for free. And like, if you, and I know you don't pay attention to them." You're saying damage control. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Incorporated. Yes, you read my mind there too. <laughs> yeah. But but like look at look at how I, I mean you could probably think of other bands, but right now just off the top of my head, I cannot think of a band that's really more fan friendly in terms of what they're giving their fans than metallica does if you really pay attention to what they're Mm -hmm. doing i mean there's so much video stuff they release so much audio stuff they release like they do if they do a like a box set or whatever they do they do it right like really right i mean they're playing full albums live i mean Mm -hmm. they're doing and i wonder how much of that is damage control yeah I, i wonder you know what I mean? It's 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 some another thought I just had of us just you know chopping it up today. Like, you know, were they smart enough to save their career? If they don't do those things, do they just kind of disappear until Stranger Things or somebody just or or Enter Sandman's in some car commercial or some shit or 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 Rock Band or one of those things? I I, I wonder that. Uh, it's you raise you raise a really interesting question. Um, I don't know. I was going to say no, I think, but like, I don't know that they would have done that on their own necessarily. I mean, I, I, I believe that like, like I've heard interviews with all those dudes at one point or another, and they all seem like pretty reasonably nice guys. Yeah. Um, down to earth. Isn't something I would necessarily assign to. Well, certainly one of them, but you right. know, maybe one other one. Uh, but like, I think that they still do remember where they came from and I think they're grateful for where they're at. So maybe the, the idea was floated by someone in their camp and they were just like, yes, run with that. That's brilliant. I don't think that the Napster thing was obviously wildly unpopular, but like, you know, fucking so was load and reload and saint anger and like it seems like those guys can't make a move without pissing off half their fans and then gaining a million more in the process like they're just built to do that now um and you were asking what other band can hit potholes and survive motley crew yeah you're not wrong with that one either vince neal killed a guy yeah pretty much killed the drummer from Hanoi rocks and did like what 10 minutes in LA County yeah, and he, like a, in a dare commercial. And then they're back on tour. 
Yeah, and they're like, good. Yeah. You know, they they fired Vince. <clears throat> they release a great record that isn't well received. They get Vince back and relieve a pile of shit record. And everybody's loves Motley Crue. Tommy Lee doesn't do? Tommy Lee doesn't play with them for a bit. They get right, the drummer, yeah. the drummer from Hole to play with them. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't have Mick on the last two records. They <laughs> they do a they do a they do a, a an end of the line tour sign a contract yeah right and then a couple years later they're doing stadiums they're like yeah we'll do it again whatever dude, and everybody's like yay yeah it's you're like not, really you're, you're not wrong dude and i mean and, and you know i could <laughs> it's funny because i can i can die on the hill with with vince neal and his vocal problems and his weight problems with the loss of his daughter yep. I, yeah I really, yeah I, yeah i really think I don't think he ever mm-hmm. got over that, which I don't know how you would get over that. Sure. And, uh, you know, he he's a guy that takes a lot of flack for all that stuff, too. You know, it's very um, yeah. hindsight's twenty twenty, man. A lot of people don't think of those things like, you know, but it's 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 it's, it's interesting to me. And you're definitely not wrong about that. But, man. Yeah. I mean, Metallica is pretty much bulletproof to a degree. Yeah, you're, you're not I, wrong. I don't know what they could do. I really don't. I can't imagine. I, I mean, you could get really ridiculous and think of some scenarios, but I oh, wouldn't of even. Course, of course, I wouldn't even want to voice that evil into no, the world. You not know? at all. Um, no. And really, like, as as I have obviously proven by my words, and I've stated, like, I'm not a real big Metallica fan at all. Like, right. I like I like some of it. I really, but like, I was never into metallica um dude they they've earned it like they've definitely earned it no one ever could have dreamed that they would be where they are and so like fucking a you know like they don't need me to like them so i don't have to no and that's that's and yeah you know i i think i mean you know, you, you think about our, our friend Jeff, who was there when Cliff was in trauma, you right, know, yeah. like all the way back in those days when Cliff wasn't even Metallica and Jeff was seeing yep. Metallica at the stone. You know what yeah, I mean? Jeff Stewart. You know Shout what I mean? Yep, yeah, absolutely. And you start thinking like, could you imagine if you knew Jeff Stewart then and said, hey, Jeff, in 40 years, <laughs> this band is going to be playing the national anthem at San Francisco giant games. And they're going to be selling out that same stadium the next night. Yeah. No, what do you think Jeff would say to you? He'd be like, whatever, dude. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and really, which is kind of crazy since the black album, mm-hmm. they have had no problems. No. Selling out any place they want to play. Essentially. Well, yeah, as uh, Newstead said many, many years ago, when people tell, call them sellouts, he said, yeah, every we do night. sell out every night. Every night. Every you seat know, in the house. You know, he's good financially for the rest of his life, just, yeah. off, just off the Black Album. Yeah, he's going to be just fine. Just, I mean, he, he, he literally said, I bought a, a ridiculously huge house and a bunch of land in Montana and mm-hmm. I can live off the residuals of that record the rest of my life. Record still sells. I know. In a, in a day and age where records don't sell, that thing, I don't know if it's left the Billboard charts since it was released. It's like our 
Led Zeppelin, Sabbath. Yeah. Like, yeah. They are to that. You can put them in that conversation now. Oh, I, I think they're in the pantheon of like biggest ever. I can't, it, it, I can't disagree. Let alone now, let alone right now. Absolutely. Metallica is one of those bands that isn't a legacy band. Right. That is like, yeah, they're bulletproof. They can play any room they want in the world. It's unreal. It's, it's, it, I never thought I'd see it. I, I was around, not in the beginning, but pretty close to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I mean, I remember when Black came out. Mm-hmm. And no offense to all my cheerleader friends back at uh, <laughs> back in high school in '92, but when the cheerleaders and the preppy kids were liking Enter Sandman and Nothing Else Matters, yeah, I knew something was going to be happening in terms yep. of the popularity of the band that I really loved up until that record for me personally, right. Sure. Yeah, I know. I well, I was at the record store when Black came out. Uh, so trust so, me. So what was that like? I mean, were you was that? I mean, I know it's the biggest selling record, sound scan wise. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, so from ninety one, I think sound scan was ninety one. Yeah. From ninety one on, yep. it is the biggest selling record of all time. Of all time, I, I still believe that's it, that still holds that, and I don't think anyone will break that ever again because people don't buy records anymore, right? No, I, I think that's a lock for them. It was a, uh, it was bananas, like just when the um, the the ca- single came out, right? Yep, the Enter Sandman cassette single yep. came out. We couldn't keep those on the rack, like we would order like a hundred. And they'd last, you know, a day or two. And this is the Carson and store, right? This is in Carson this City, isn't Nevada. Even Reno. Yeah. This is even- no. Yeah. So then Metallica, Metallica comes out. Like I forget. Like we had a ridiculous amount of stock. And I remember talking to Pat, the owner, and he's like, This will probably get us through a few days. I had to reorder that day to get another like big box because Dude, you know, you hear that. I say it all the time, like couldn't keep it on the shelf and all that. It's like, no, seriously, we just kept them in boxes behind the counter. Like there wasn't time to put the security shit on it and put it on the shelf. Wow. So people just kind of go, do you have the black album? I finally just put up a thing that said Metallica black album at the counter. Wow. Do you remember any other album like that? In your days of um like yeah Garth, that, well, Garth brooks or something like that or garth did well um snoop actually snoop okay. doggy dog a dog style doggy style record i believe that was really hot Drake chronic second, probably chronic the second wu-tang record oh wow um but part of that was because they did it in this new digi pack that didn't fit in any of the security things so oh. we had to keep it behind the counter okay um, but it did, but nothing f- with the longevity except for maybe Garth Brooks. Yeah. Where it was just like, I, it, it took months and months and months before we could finally be like, all right, we can put them out there now. Like, that's but we'd still have like, you know, a whole, you know, you have a row that's what, you know, three feet deep of Metallica. It's, they're, 
it's not like they have a lot of albums out. No, there was we only had two. Four. We had four, right? Or it five? Was four if records. Count the garage. If you count Garage Days, yeah. So it would be like two full rows in this CD rack, and one entire row would just be black album, and we'd be replenishing it. Wow! It, it, every other day at least. And now, 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 for the for the youngins that listen to the show yeah. that don't understand, basically. How awesome record stores were. I mean, let's not lie. Yeah. Record stores no. were great. Did you even have to play this record in the store? I never did. Isn't that not insane? once? Isn't that I insane? never played it once? Um it, why? I know. Like that's it was that's... it was dude, after I think after Justice, like their fans were like ravenous for the new Metallica, you yeah. know. Um, and then Sandman comes out and it didn't really, I didn't see a lot of fallout from it. Like maybe some of like the dudes wearing creator shirts who yeah. also listen to Metallica, they were like, well, whatever, you know, right. but they were going to be like that anyway. Yeah, you of, know? Course, of course. Um, but what you did see was the majority of the Metallica fans were all like, this is amazing. But then, like you said, people who were maybe on the outside of that a little bit they liked rock and roll but they weren't into metal yet they came right in oh yeah metallica's black album kicked the door open for normies getting into metal yeah you know for better or worse it it, it is what it is you know and then pantera also capitalized on that because metallica already had the whole football team on there on their side so then Phil's like tougher than anything lyrics and stuff dude every football team wrestling team all the big tough jock dudes were like fuck yeah five minutes alone you know so, yeah. <laughs> yeah totally oh, Dylan that's, that's amazing <laughs> dude that's oh my god it's such a nice trip down memory lane to think about that stuff and you know and I'm glad you're on the hill with me but dude, I also... I, I'll, I'll help you raise the flag like I 100% I'm on board but I also like, I also like that you changed my mind on how I would approach the question mm. in terms of what my die in the hill would be. Okay. Not the apology to Metallica. Right. The understanding that Metallica was right. Delivery. I think it's. I think it's more wrong. important. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that. I mean, really, like I'm sure they'd appreciate it. But like they don't need it. No, they they have proven themselves right just by existing, and they've also basically they're like they're bulletproof. So like you can laugh at them, and you can, I mean, Jesus, th th there's so many jokes about Metallica, and it like doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, they're they're Metallica. How weird like, would that? How weird would that be? To yeah. To be in Metallica. Like, I look at being in Metallica. This is going to sound absolutely crazy, right? But I look at being in Metallica like being a Michael Jordan or like a Wayne yeah. Gretzky or a Madonna yeah. or somebody of that level where mm -hmm. it's like, it's like, do you think that even if, I mean, I'm going to say yes with James personally, but yeah. do you think it really affects the rest of them in terms of like, how do you, how do you, how do you, 
how do you deal with knowing that the world is always with you, making fun of you, you're a part of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, well, so I think that's where the disconnect happens. It's kind of like when, like, I think when you get to a certain level of, well, honestly, I would say probably for anything, if you're a creative person and you put something on Instagram or social media in general, don't read the comments. Right. And I think that's what they're doing in their lives. It's like, they just don't read the comments. They you have know? to not, right? I mean, Good or bad. It's just, well, they, and they honestly, they don't see any of it at this point, unless they see it, search it out, I'm sure. But like, think about what their lives must look like. Even uh, Trujillo, like million dollar signing bonus. Yep. Right. And I, he's, he got a quarter stake, right? Oh, wow. Wasn't that... I believe that was the deal was that he was hired on as the fourth member. I don't know that he's a hired gun. I think he's a full, you know what? Like fledged gun carrying member of Metallica. That wouldn't surprise me. And I will, I will give a quick plug to this because I think in general, you should watch this, but if you've ever played in a band mm -hmm. or multiple bands, do yourself the favor and watch some kind of monster. That yeah. Oh, is yeah. One of the most intriguing, interesting, spinal tapish, but embarrassing real documentaries I've ever seen in my entire life. I agree. Yeah, I, it's. Uh, I was. We, I was just talking about it the other day because my wife hadn't seen it, and I made some reference to it, and she went, "What? <laughs> God damn it! Fuck! Am I gonna have to watch some kind of monster again just so know, she can see this? You know what I'd pay for? Hmm." I'd pay to watch Metallica do a watch along to that. <laughs> I would pay. Oh. I would pay. I mean, just enough to see Lars Ulrich's dad. Delete that. Oh my God. It's the best part of the entire movie. Dude, he is just magic. Like, I would say delete that. Yes. Cold, just, ruthless. Yeah, just not fucking Mr. around. Mr. Ulrich. No. Not even, not even, you know what? not even a musician. He was, tennis no, player. he was right. Pro tennis player. He was totally right. But it's, it's, you know, the craziest thing is they put it out. Yeah, pretty fair. That's another one. You talk Brave. about bulletproof. Yeah, that should, that could have been the silver bullet. Yeah. And instead, people were like, even people who were like, oh my God, it's like the worst thing ever and it's embarrassing. They, yeah, they, yeah. Love it. Love Metallica. When, when you watched it, how much of it did you kind of go, and I'm not naming names, right? And you've played sure. with enough people so we can have fun with this, right? How much of it did you watch and go, that is that person I played with? There was a little bit that of that. Is that yeah. person I played with, not to the full extent, but like. Yeah. Was, or, was, or, oh, shit, that's me. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I will raise my hand and say absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's, it's, it's very. It's, it's not a mockumentary, but it feels like one, doesn't it? It, it felt um, at the beginning of for me because I've only seen it the one time. Yeah. Uh, and at the beginning, yes, it, it, it was, it was funny until it wasn't. By the end of it, I was just really kind of sad about yes. it, and oh, and I wished. Way. I wish they hadn't put it out because like, I don't want to see this stuff. It just makes them look weak. 
in my eyes. Almost as weak as that drum sound on St. Anger. Oh, um, but um, bum. Uh, but <laughs> you know, people didn't care and they bought St. Anger. It's... And and then they toured and they sold every seat out in the house every night and on and on and on. And it's like, well, fuck, dude. Okay. Whatever. Like awesome. Lulu. Lulu. Lulu, like another another just that, that well i think the only thing that gets them because i remember seeing lars talk about it on something and he was like you know people talk about how they don't like it or whatever but like if lou reed says you're doing a record with him you're doing it and it's like well not a bad point you know you're probably right not if a lou bad reed point. walked up to any band and was just like, hey, I want to do a record with you. You'd probably be like, okay, Lou Reed. Yeah. Like, you, sure. How do you turn that down? It's that my favorite review of all time of that record was it sounds like you're at a rehearsal studio and a, a spoken word poet is practicing the spoken word next to a metal band practicing without their singer. Well, the, the stuff that you played me off of it, which is still the only stuff I've heard, I completely agree with you. I, I and I, that assessment yeah that, that you couldn't nail head couldn't do it any better i i don't know what the plan was on that um and i also don't know anyone who likes it uh, if you if you pretend to like that mm. I, I mean if you because there's no way i don't there's i mean i i heard enough of it because i was like all right i'm gonna listen to this and I got past the whole I am a table thing, which it was bad enough, in, in, you know, like, and that I knew yeah. I was like, this is going to be meme central. And I was completely right. Yep. But I, it's like, it's like I would hear something that would perk my ears for only like 10, 15 seconds. And mm -hmm. the rest of it was just a big head scratching. Why? Like, like I couldn't picture yeah. being in a room with the rest of the band going, yeah. Yeah, this is badass. Like I, I awesome. I, I couldn't even Print. couldn't <clears throat> I couldn't put it. I I couldn't understand. And I guess like we talked about, if you got fuck you money, and you've climbed yeah. every single mountain you've climbed, and people still aren't like basically jumping off the train, it's like, well, you know what? Let's put out a record with Lou Reed, and he'll do a spoken word stuff out of time and key. With art yeah. music, that's not even really that good. Well, they didn't even write anything. It sounds like. I mean, it sounds like they just were like jamming. That's the vibe I got too. And yeah, it's you know, I mean, who knows? Um, but always, we always talk too much, but I enjoy every second of it. And, <laughs> Dude, and it's it's always good. It's always good, man. And and for the people listening. You know, I get a lot of requests for me and you to do podcasts together. So I'm glad that you uh, were nice enough to uh, to host this one. And uh, so, so to speak, I, I, uh, I you know, I, I, I dude, I genuinely enjoy doing the thing. And I'm just happy that people seem to enjoy our, our ramblings. And I'll I'll be here anytime you ask. I appreciate so, it, man. I love talking yeah. music. And, and uh, you know, the coolest thing is, man when we talk about stuff and other people have been on the show too, is it gets people going back and listening. And, I hope so. And yeah. to me, that's the best thing in the world. I, I, I don't really encourage people to go listen to Lulu or anything like that. No. Um, 
but it's cool for people to to take a second and think a little bit more and re-listen to things. I, I've had some people with the Queensryche when we talked mm. about, you know, I had people actually say, man, I went back and listened to the new stuff with Todd and it's actually pretty damn good. And it was like, it's pretty damn good, you know? And I think, I think that's one of the best parts about my show that I love doing is, is I, I agree. And you guys to listen more, man, listen to music, listen to podcasts too. Cause they're great. But, uh, yeah, no, obviously, it, mostly this podcast. Yes, you please. This has got 24 hours a day. Please. <laughs> Let me, please. And, and if you'd like to donate to the show, you're more than welcome to. I'm keeping it ad free. I don't want any Manscaped ball fucking commercials. So nice. if you want to donate to the show, you can. You can. Uh, there's a link on Anchor where you can do that. And I, I should put that up every once in a while and see if anybody wants sure. to donate. Um, I'm awful at promoting. I'm not really good at I it. I hear you. You know, you know, but you you should. I, I should I should get on that. But uh, I want to thank on. everybody that's been sharing and people, you know, been wanting to come onto the show and and do a guest spot. I, I, it's I'm flattered. I love it, and I appreciate all you, my friend. Plug plug the band real quick. I know you got a good show coming up that I want people to go to if they oh. are in the Reno area. Yeah, uh, weight of the tide um, on all the socials and streamies um weight like heavy not like time um and uh yeah we are playing with fucking in flames and uh this amazing band called torch uh, who are incredible in october at the virginia street brew house i should have tickets this week and that doesn't matter because who knows when you're listening to this <laughs> but i'll have tickets so by all means, you can hit me up at uh, at F and Moots on Instagram. You can look at my tattoo stuff. And uh, yeah, that's and what I got. And there'll be links to, to all this stuff in the summary for you guys. Um, good news for you is I'll probably be putting it up this week. Today's Monday, uh, August, whatever the hell it is, 21st, I think. So this will be I, up probably something. by Wednesday, I think. Wednesday or Thursday. Cool. So, uh, so hopefully some people buy some tickets and they will get to hear a bunch of new material too, right? Uh, yes, we will be playing a bunch of new material, which is for, awesome. for the first time in a long time, which so is, which is gonna... awesome, man. And, and a cover that nobody knows about. So oh, even, when right. I, even if I hit pause, you're not going to tell me, huh? I don't know. <laughs> Hey brother, always always a treat and a pleasure, man, <laughs> to talk music with you, man. Thank you for yeah. hosting today, and uh, stay safe, my brother. All right, you too, man. See you, buddy. See you.